Welcome to Altered by Faith. I am Alicia Gotro from South Louisiana. I have a passion for Catholic community development with spiritual and personal growth opportunities. Altered by Faith is a place to share authentic and vulnerable content that relates to our Catholic faith journey. We collaborate with our brothers and sisters in Christ to hear about God's infinite love during all seasons. As we walk in our faith journey together, we have lots to share. We will share real talk about life, struggles, our Catholic faith, spiritual and personal growth, and much, much more. So come as you are and be altered by faith. Hey everyone, it's Alicia. Today I'll be interviewing special guest, Father Poirier, the parochial vicar of St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. He hosts a podcast with John Ray Perkins for St. Pius X Parish with wonderful content. Y'all go check it out. Father Poirier loves hunting, is an excellent cook who enjoys cooking meals and spending time with family. Welcome, Father Poirier. Well, thank you so much. It's a joy to be on here. I was telling uh, telling you before, an excellent cook is a strong statement, but uh, my cooking career started off terrible. I, <laughs> uh, we had to evacuate a hotel one time because I took, I didn't put water in the grits when I put them in the microwave. This is when I was little, so my family does not let me live that down. <laughs> so the uh, alarms went off in the yeah, whole hotel. Oh, yeah, this is, uh, and people were wondering what was happening. It was my aunt who in Florida told me it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I would not claim to be the most excellent cook myself. I can cook a mean spaghetti, but my uh, husband, Kyle, is definitely the cook of the house. Oh, I, I love to cook. All the men in my family, uh, you know, growing up, they cook. I, I think that might just be like kind of a Cajun thing, too. Definitely. You know, like there's certain dishes the men just love to cook, like the gumbos, the, the jambalayas, the crawfish balls, all that stuff. Love your tagline. You always say uh, whether you know it's your email response line or in mass or in speaking events that you do to Christ through Mary. Recently, I was going to mass with my child, and me and my husband were there, and Connor was sitting in the middle, and he was just making a ruckus, drawing attention. He wanted to go to the bathroom just so he could walk around. He just didn't want to sit still, uh, dropping uh, the hymn books on the ground. It was uh, it was a bit stressful, so I was like sweating. And I remember uh, one of your talks, it was a sacrament talk at the revival night, And you had mentioned one time uh, when you're in mass and you're having trouble focusing or staying focused on your reflection during times of adoration, that we should just go ahead and reflect on Mary's journey, watching Jesus on his journey to Calvary. So as I was sitting in mass and I was sweating and my little boy was just, you know, acting up and I'm like, goodness, this can't just be me, right? Like other moms out there have to feel the same way moms and dads. But we're towing him along and we're bringing him to Mass, so that counts. But as I really, that thought had popped up in my mind of what you had said, and I I looked up at the cross, and then I tried to, like, put myself in Mary's shoes, like, watching Jesus on his journey, the agony. And then my perspective just suddenly flipped. It wasn't like all eyes were on me anymore. It was more of, okay, my precious child is sitting right next to me, safe and sound. Jesus came endured all this suffering and we're here and we're so lucky to be able to receive him in the Eucharist like we were at the point of mass where we were kneeling down and I'm like okay thank you Lord for my family for my child and you know just for our time here at the 
So uh, thank you for sharing that. That was such beautiful advice. And uh, during my time of need in math, it really brought me back into the math. And I was able to hear, you know, what was actually going on in the math instead of just focusing on my disruptive child. (laughs) Yeah, I remember giving that talk. It was, um, you know, I was covering for someone else that ended up falling sick. And it was kind of a last minute cover. Uh, But, you know, I don't think anyone fell asleep during my talk. So it it was all right. But no, I remember reflecting on what a lot of people have been saying, at least in regards to academic circles, sometimes from pulpits, in regards to like the active participation from the laity, the, the lay people, not the clergy. So what does active participation look like? Well, the Mass is Calvary, and no one participated more in Calvary than our Blessed Mother. And so if you want to actively participate in Mass, then be like Mary at the cross. And just kind of imagine yourself, okay, where am I at during Mass? Where am I at? At Calvary, Mary, help me to love your son. Because right? a mother knows how to love. And uh, this this idea, you know, to Jesus through Mary, this is in uh, our Catholic faith is you know it's been around for two thousand years. You know? And so there's there's different schools of spirituality that have kind of grown up. Right. So the uh, the Desert Fathers, they have the uh, the Spanish school, what's really popular right now, and it has been for the past few hundred years, about uh, since the sixteenth century is what's called the French School of Spirituality. And a big proponent of it, or a big thing of it, is like this personal relationship with Jesus being assisted by Mary. And so what most people have experiences of in their own spiritual life, their own spiritual journey, whatever books they're reading in regards to saints, I would say 99% of it would probably be part of that French school. And that's, uh, I think, and most notable for our, in America, would be Fulton Sheen. Fulton Sheen was a huge proponent of the, uh, of the French school of spirituality. And so that's the way that I was kind of formed. I definitely know about the other schools of spirituality, but it was something that was just so radiant for me. And it's, uh, I can see why it's become so popular. So always uh, to praise Jesus through his blessed mother, because she knows how to honor and praise and adore her son the best. Definitely. While you were saying that, uh, a thought had just popped up in my mind on um, sometimes there's this confusion of like, do we do we pray to Mary or do we pray for her intercession? Can you mm-hmm. kind of like explain the process of that? Of course, Mary is a huge uh, part of my, my faith journey as I entered motherhood. I was able to more readily identify with her and yeah. I felt more called to pray with mm-hmm. her, whereas before I just felt more of a need to just pray directly to Jesus. Yeah. So what what is that, I guess, background? In? Yeah, so the, uh, to kind of, I'll throw out a few little theological terms uh, in a little bit, but in the same way that you ask me to pray for you, or that I ask you to pray for me, or what, whatever, we ask the saints to pray for us. The saints are very close to God. They, they have a deal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in heaven with God. And so when we ask the saints to pray for us, we call this dulia, dulia in Latin, right? Which just means that we're giving due reverence to them, right? So in the same way that my grandparents, right? I was like, okay, they were very close to God. They pray for me nonstop, that I give them honor. Like, I definitely don't disrespect my grandparents. Absolutely not. I would, uh, (laughs) they wouldn't hurt me. I I would, I would keel over and die if I would disrespect my grandparents. And so uh, this, this due respect to the saints is dulia. Now, there's one saint higher than all the others, right? And that's Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph we call Proto-Dulia, which is, means the first among the saints, right? So Saint Joseph, the highest of all the saints, but then Mary is in our league all of her own. So we say that's 
Piper. Yeah. Uh, and this is all giving reverence. This is like uh, you're taking off your hat when a lady walks in the room. Huh? They said this is the most profound woman. Uh, mm -hmm. So you take off your hat and you bow your head. Uh, and Jesus is not giving you right. This is adoration. This is uh, what we only give to God is uh, worship. We only worship the Trinity. And so we call that Maitreya. This is, I get on my hands and knees, my forehead touches the ground, and I give my life. Uh, this is this is the difference. That uh, with the others, I give uh, most profound respect and love, and I ask for their help because they're just, they were just like me, except they made it, <laughs> and, I, and I'm trying to make it too. Our blessed mother, of course, uh, being immaculately conceived, just like us. But uh, you know, everything being equal, we ask for their intercession. And so to to pray to them uh, or ask them to pray for us, I would, I would say it depends on the way you think about it. But uh, they pray for us. It's always nice to give them thanks for that and to ask for just maybe a little bit more prayers. Wonderful. That's such a great way to look at it. I guess I really identified with her, but then whenever I would pray, it was like, am I praying to her or am I praying mm. for the intercession and for her to be? So when I read your tagline, to Christ be Mary, I was like, I wanted to know a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, maybe the idea of praying with her. Yeah, with her instead because of yeah, because she's our mother. And so in the same way that a mom prays with their child, prays for their child, you know, Mary does that perfect, more perfect than any other mom. And so every mom, every woman should strive to be like Mary. Every man should look for a woman like Mary. I wanted to quickly discuss the importance of the sacraments and the graces that we receive through receiving the, the sacraments regularly. So recently, uh, in a small group that I've been participating in, I've heard many women, you know, referring to all the graces that we receive. And to me, this was this, you know, ambiguous term or like I wasn't quite sure like what that mm. meant. Like I felt like I was closer in my journey with God. I felt more deeply connected in my prayer life. But so can you kind of explain some of the graces yeah. that we might would receive? Yeah, the first I would say on the level of just personal prayer. Uh, so personal prayer, this is what we call actual grace. Actual grace is like getting from point A to point B, right? So knock and the door will be open to you, right? So I pray that, Lord, help me win the lottery, right? Yes, it's getting pretty high. I need all the help I can get, huh? Exactly. And so I'm praying on my hands and knees that I'll, you know, Lord, send me a raise or something, right? And I'm praying, well, he's not going to let me win the lottery, huh? Mm -hmm. Or maybe he will, I don't know. But if I do, I wouldn't spend it on that. <laughs> So the uh, so maybe I'm praying for this, but he gives me the actual grace, this little small grace, this to help me get from point A to point B. He gives me this grace uh, to maybe to get over this hump, right? So I I'm praying, Lord, help me to make it through the day. Right? Help me to have a better attitude. Lord, help my child. Lord, help. And so whatever these little small, these smaller things, these little uh, those small graces, right? Grace is God's help. And so there's the small help, and then there's the big help. Uh, the actual grace is the small help. That's whenever you ask for something, it'll be either, it's bad. My mom told me this. She says the answer is either yes, yes, but not right now, or no. <laughs> <laughs> and so those are the three answers God gives. And so with the actual grace is that. Now the big grace, we call that sanctifying grace. This is the grace that saves my soul. This gets me from A to double T. This is more than just B. And uh, this is the big grace that, that makes me, not, not only makes me holy, but truly transforms me into a new creation. And so the sanctifying grace of baptism, the sanctifying grace of the Mass and the Eucharist, the sanctifying
sanctifying grace of confession. The sanctifying grace is given in the sacraments. And so the sacraments, these graces that we receive in the sacraments, save us. Go to confession often. Even, I would say, like someone that struggles with mortal sin, go as often as you can, right? Because mortal means I'm dead. Right, mortal, I need help. I'm having a heart attack. If you, mm-hmm. And if you have a heart attack and the, heart, you know, the ambulance comes, you're not going to stop at Dairy Queen. You're not going to stop at McDonald's. But you're going to go straight to the hospital. Uh, and so if you commit a mortal sin, go straight to confession. Uh, don't wait a week or a month or however long. Go as often as you need. Have it twice a day at St. Pius. And so struggling with mortal sin, go receive the sanctifying grace of confession. If you if you're not, I would put out a routine of, you know, once a month, right? Uh, St. Padre Pio says even a clean room needs to be dusted every now and then. You know, I'm not that clean. So, you know, got to make a free, frequent confession, exposed to God's mercy, being renewed in the Eucharist, to constantly being caught, remembering the graces you receive. So if you're struggling in your day and you go to daily mass, remember the last time you received and God will renew those graces. Because God is outside of time. And so the graces that he gives can be renewed. And so remember the last time you received it. Or remember the next time you'll receive it. And those graces will come and be present again. Definitely. Whenever I go up to uh, receive the Eucharist, it was after my last Acts retreat. Someone had mentioned to me, uh, a close friend, how whenever we go up and receive the Eucharist, she's like, does, does anyone else feel this way as we just Feel like I just got a superpower mm-hmm. whenever I, you know, take in the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ, and and eat it, and when she was just walking up to the to the pew and goes to pray, she's like, I just feel like I all of a sudden gained this superpower. And ever since I heard that, every time I go up for the Eucharist, I, I kind of feel the same way. And uh, I don't know if I've ever shared that with anyone before, but it um it definitely makes me feel like I have the strength to mm-hmm. continue on my journey. To let him to continue molding and yeah. shaping me into who he created me to be and to step further into my God-given purpose. And it's such a special gift. With the point of receiving communion is so beautiful and so important uh, that, you know, there's this kind of big lack of devotion in the Eucharist or lack of belief. And I would say to someone that's struggling with belief, even someone that has a very potent belief in the Eucharist, the way you receive can help you. So that they get the option of receiving on the knees and on the ground. It's a beautiful way that you, that can help you believe. Uh, because this saying, you, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. Well, you know, I start to act as if that's the Alpha and the Omega, God incarnate, made present in the Eucharist. And maybe finally my heart can content that. Uh, so this point of receiving communion, you receive much more than superpowers. Uh, you get transformed. It's, it's beautiful. All the people in our Catholic community, the lay people, what exactly is our role in the Catholic Church? What are we called to walk out? I know we're supposed to walk out in discipleship, lead our families to Christ, and teach our, our children about Christ. But more than that, are we called to evangelize, build community, participate in parish life? Like, what What is our role besides checking the boxes, yeah. maybe, of like going to Mass or going to confession, those kinds of things? Yeah, I would say what you listed was a pretty substantial list already. <laughs> you know, like uh, to help the kids grow in the faith, to, to help uh, your spouse and you, you know, grow in the faith, to learn the faith so you can teach the faith. I kind of, this will always make me laugh. My sister, she has two little boys, and the godfather's one of them. 
and she'll call me every now and then and say, hey, what do, what do I say about this? You know, one of my godsons starting to ask questions about the faith. And I said, I don't know, you know, or I like, I'll refuse to answer it because, you know, one, is funny. Uh, but then two, <laughs> it's, you know, a big part of growing in the faith and learning the faith is teaching the faith. And so to teach the faith to the kids is a big challenge because now all of a sudden, you know, I'm on the block. I, I'm in the pulpit. I got to teach it. So we say in the, in the Catholic Church, the family is a domestic church, or what we say, like a little church. It's a little parish. And so to help your little parish get to heaven, what does that look like? Attending Sunday Mass, Holy Days of Obligation, or daily Masses when you can with the kids. Uh, going to confession and bringing the kids with you. Helping kids have a good uh, experience with confession. If you don't, I am so sorry. Don't let the kids experience that. Help them have a good... So like bring them to confession once a month. And then everyone, we go for ice cream now. Huh? I love that. Yeah, and so, and so to kind of to make it a thing, mm-hmm. right? And on solemnities, or like, or, or or go eat out, or go do something where it's it's a big thing for solemnity. Uh, in regards to kind of outside of that, making your own little personal church or domestic church uh, holy, get involved in the parish. What does it look like? So in baptism, we receive the gifts, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what's your gift? doesn't have to be like this big extravagant thing. You don't have to be on the stage and or you don't have to work behind the scenes. God has given each of us a gift to help evangelize. Well, I'll never forget this. A man at my parish in Scott would say before I was a priest, he said, Connor, you got to keep the faith. It's not to yourself. And I, you know, I was like, he's right. But faith is a fire and you got to keep that. You eat it, you let it breathe, you give it oxygen. If you want to suffocate a fire, you cut it off. And so with your own faith, eat it. Read, listen to podcasts, listen to whatever. Teach the family, get involved at the parish, in whatever small ways you can, big ways, go to adoration. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. And I read this today, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who was a big inspiration for me. She says, at the end of our life, God will not ask us how much we did, but he will ask us how much we love. And so whatever you do, do it with great love. Mother Teresa, she saved probably more souls by sweeping the floor than I did by doing anything. And so to do whatever you do with immense, great love, that's evangelize the world, but start at the home. It's really important in ministry, so I'm helping with Mother's ministry. And I love how you circled back to no matter what you're doing, start with the home. Uh, Because sometimes it can be so easy to Hmm. think of the parish event that's coming up or... You know, I feel this God-given purpose, and it and it's really leading me to want to serve the women in our parish. But I also have to remember to serve yeah. well at home. So thank you for circling back to that. I, I appreciate that. People who may have strayed away from the faith, or people who are just new to the faith, what would be advice or encouragement that you would give to someone who is new or just coming back to the church for the first time? Yeah, I would say uh, initially pray. Uh, you pray, read scripture, pray the rosary. That is the first, the last, the middle thing you can do. Read scriptures, read the gospel. Uh, start with the gospel. Start with the gospel of John. If you want a certain direction, read the gospel of John and then read the epistles. Like these are the letters of Peter, John, Paul, uh, you know, and all the other James. So read the epistles. Hey, you know, that'll take you a good enough time. And then. Pray the rosary every day. The rosary takes 15 minutes, 20, maybe 30 if you're praying it with the kids, and that's a beautiful thing. And so pray the rosary 
every day. Our Blessed Mother will never steer you away from Jesus. And so she has she has only one job. She does it perfectly. That's leading people to her son. The scriptures is where you learn about Jesus. And if you love someone, you learn about them. And you want to know more about them. And so that would be my that would be my advice. Someone that's uh, struggling with the faith or just returning to the faith, someone that's in the faith, read the Bible and pray the rosary. You will you will not go wrong with that. Spending time time in God's Word recently, um, my life coach uh, Lance Strother had challenged me. We're both reading the Book of Matthew, and it's jam packed. Uh, and I'm gonna journal with it and bring it to prayer. So every night, just one chapter, you know, uh, small enough bite sizes yeah. where I can like really spend time in it. And just for five days now, the the conversation uh, or prayer time with Jesus has been so much more in depth and just made me feel more connected mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, my normal daily devotional or whatever it would be. Um, so I think spending time in God's word, although it seems overwhelming when you look at the whole Bible as yeah. a whole, like um, really focusing on the gospels and getting that integrated first. I love how you gave some direction on start with John. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, well, look, if, if we starting anything in life, begins with one step. And so to read the Bible over a lifetime is very easy. Mm-hmm. Very easy. In fact, if you read probably a one chapter a day, you could easily read the Bible your entire life. I, I, I'm saying that off the cuff. I mean, you might be able to read it ten times in your life. And that. But to not be intimidated, because if you, if you get intimidated by anything in life because of the end result, like, okay, we're not going to start a family because that means we have to buy a house, we got to get jobs, we have to support, I mean, we got to pay for their colleges. You know, if you look at the whole mountain of everything, you'll never get started in anything. Right. So just take one step. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. Play with scripture over your life. That's just one book. Through your vocation in the priesthood, what is one main thing that you want to accomplish as you serve God through the priesthood? What do you feel is your unique mission that you personally feel called to? And what is the story behind that? I think when a man is ordained a priest, in a real way, God consecrates him and brings up his personality, himself, you know, his story, everything into the, into his own priesthood. In another very real way, he dies. No longer him that lives. His preferences, his whatever, it, that's all in the past. That's not a part of unity. In, the same, in a similar way for marriage, right? If you marry this other person, you know, it's absolutely all these things. But in a real way, you know, Tommy, it is a, it is a death that you, you, your old you no longer lives. It's someone someone new. And so my, my personal mission, I think, is the mission of every priest, to glorify God by the salvation of souls. My personal mission, if I can accomplish one thing in my entire life, it would be this, that one soul goes to heaven. Now, because God loves his people, and he can do an infinite amount of good with, with nothing. Uh, right, i.e. creation. Hopefully he decides to save more than one soul. But from the moment I was ordained a priest, hearing one confession, celebrating one mass, doing one anointing of the sick, one sacrament, I could have died right there. And I would have done more good in my than I would have ever done in my entire life. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. And so it's whatever God decides to do with me, I'm okay. Well, whenever I got ordained a priest, I made two private promises, right? Mm-hmm. 
one of which was that I would give my entire priesthood to Mary. So whatever Mary decides for me, that's what I want. Right? And I have no idea what she wants for that. So uh, you know, ask me at the end. Uh, but but I think in a nuanced way, like how uh, God has used me in maybe a unique way. I think uh, giving talks or speaking and uh, teaching the faith is something that I enjoy doing. I love learning about the faith, and so I love speaking on it. Uh, I love to talk to people about the faith, you know, go figure. And so I think that's been a unique way. At St. Pius, this is a unique thing, and this was the other private promise I made, was that I would be a slave to the confession. At St. Pius, uh, we have confession available twice a day, every day. Uh, and we have a lot of people that come. This doesn't mean we are sinful parish. It means that we're sensitive to sin. We don't want any part of it. And so I've I've been very grateful that God has made good on my promise to be a slave to the confessional. And there's always people there. I've never sat longer than five minutes and someone. I feel like if I walked in the church at midnight and locked the door behind me and I sat in the confessional, I'd have a line of people. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I feel. And so... Uh, I would say kind of like my personal mission is the mission of every priest. I'm grateful for anything that God has allowed good in my life that I've been able to do in a nuanced way. In my own little myopic view, I think he used me for confession a lot. Giving talks is something I, I like. So, yeah, there we go. That's the extended version answer. The extended version. I like that. And I would say I think that you are very gifted in explaining the faith. And the reasonings behind, like, the sacraments. Like, your sacraments talk, although it was planned the day of and impromptu, (laughs) was I had went to Catholic school my whole upbringing. And I felt like I learned more of the reasoning behind some of those things or felt more convicted about them, about their importance and the graces that we would receive from that. Uh, from just that one talk and so I think that you're really you have a special way of explaining the faith with passion and uh, driving the point home of like the why and a lot of times the the why's as children is just because this is you know this is the way that things are and so you put meaning behind it and really connect you know the purposes and where it is in the Bible and why we do this it uh, really, as as an adult now, makes me feel more passionate about our faith and our sacraments, for sure. Well, it's important. Christ says to be childlike, not childish. And so to explain the sacraments or explain these eternal truths that are higher than us to where we can obtain them, but yet not dumbing down the faith. Right. That's a real thing. Uh, to not dumb down the faith, but make it accessible. And so to be childlike, not childish. I like that. Cool. Now we're at my favorite part of the whole podcast. It's my Altered by Faith Top 7. So whenever I meet people and uh, talk with people, especially uh, people that I don't know well or that I know have lots of experience in our faith, I always want to know these things. So we'll dive right in. What is the one moment that you knew that your life was altered by faith? Could be a life experience a trial, a season, when did you really feel a shift in your life from God where you knew you were forever changed and altered by faith? Yeah, so we actually talked about this in, in my podcast for St. Pius. What episode? Lord, I'm not, I have no idea. 
But uh, no, I, I know the exact. I know the exact day. No. Yeah, I know the exact. And so the Saint um, Teresa of Avila, or yeah, I think it's Teresa of Avila. She wrote in her spiritual mansions, her eighth mansion. This is for souls that are perfect, right? And so this is souls, uh, people that exist that you're looking at one percent of like one percent, right? So you're looking at the highest perfect people. She says, as a, as a real guide, to see if they have attained that level, ask them the first time they met Jesus, because their life would have changed forever, and they would have never forgotten. Ask them if they remember, because they would know everything about him. They would know the smell of the air. They would know where they were at. They, knew, they would know what he said. They would know everything about it. A soul that encounters Christ never forgets. Uh, and she said, you know, she says that at yeah, so I think anyone that encounters God should always make that first. Um, my first moment, I was going to be, uh, I was the end of my junior year in high school. I was at a retreat called Steubenville on the Bayou in Poma Thibodeau, and I was tricked into going. I would, did not want to go, but I was kind of tricked into going. <laughs> uh, that's a whole story in itself. Uh, but I was tricked into going. I was closed off. Now, of course, I was Catholic. But I was closed off to the faith. I was not living it. I was against it. And not in thought, right? I was like, no, not Catholic. But I was in my actions. I lived against the faith. So the second night, we got there Friday, Saturday evening uh, adoration. It was the first time I've ever been to adoration. I was in adoration. And you know, we were all on our knees and we were praying. And there was a point of silence. point of silence. And uh, I heard, St. Augustine says it best, I believe. He says, I heard with the ear of my heart. God spoke to the ear of my heart, and he asked me, why are you running? And he asked me again, why are you running? And then he asked me a third time, why are you running? And for the first time, I think since I was in seventh grade or sixth grade, I cried. It was uh, it, it was a long, because my heart was hard, and I was in a very dark place. And God broke through my darkness and lifted up the lowly. And so right then and there, I did a complete 180 degree. I completely changed the way I started living my life. My family was flabbergasted. I mean, they couldn't believe. They For months, they couldn't believe. For a year, for years, they couldn't believe. Probably, I'll tell you right now, most of them still can't believe. <laughs> and, that's the, and that's the truth. So in adoration, God spoke to the ear of my heart, and he changed my life forever. In the silence, and I, any listeners, I want to tell you, God speaks in the silence to you too. Don't ever doubt that. If you were the only person to ever live, God would have still died on the cross. Someone that died on the cross, you don't think he wants to come? The problem is, you don't listen. You have to turn off the things and listen to God. In the silence, God speaks. He's a whisperer. He doesn't yell at us. So that that's uh, the, the first time I was altered by faith, huh? Yeah. Um, that was the pivotal moment. That's beautiful. And I love the part that you had said with the ear and listening with the ear, ear of your heart. heart. St. Augustine's Confession is the very first autobiography ever written in the entire world. And look, it's the best. If you haven't read his confession, St. Augustine, the title is The Confession, I'll tell you right now, you will not go wrong in reading it. It's that entire book. I remember reading it, and it was like, I stumbled upon a love letter and I wasn't supposed to. A love letter between a saint and God. That's what it was like. Wow. 
It was it was extraordinary. That that was another moment of altered. I think I have a lot of altered of my favorite moments, of my, uh, but the very first one. My friend Connor, we had gotten this book at Crossroads. It was uh, listening to God, and for him, he's you know almost five, so that like should he thinks he should hear a voice, and he thinks, uh, well, what's happening, Mom? Like, why don't I hear him? And so I've been trying to find just the right words, and and I've said before, like you don't hear an auditory voice. Like, really, it's not like Mama talking to you. It's something that you hear, like. And, uh, inside yourself, like you know, when you think, your mind. Sometimes when you read a book, you can hear the thoughts or the words in your mind. That was my best way to kind of explain it. But I love the hearing with the ear of your heart. Um, I think that will give them a good vision. You see how the you know the role of the parent teaching the kids. You have to learn. Huh? Yes. I mean, it's a real thing. It is a real thing. Yeah. It is. Okay, what is your favorite form of prayer, whether it's praise and worship, prayer journal, traditional prayer, rosary, divine mercy, chaplet, I mean, you name it, adoration. There's so many different ways that we pray, and spend time with Jesus. What would be your favorite? Yeah, my favorite way to spend time with Jesus, I, I think, is probably adoration. Like, not reading an adoration, not praying a rosary in adoration, just on my knees in silence. And not expecting anything, not like just just simply wasting time with God. That's you waste time with your best friend, with your spouse, just be with God and, and not really want to accomplish anything. Just that. So in, in regards to personal prayer, that or something that a lot of people don't know is that you know priests celebrate mass every day, even if it's just by themselves. Oh really? Yeah. So like, uh, there's plenty of times uh, I'm celebrating a private mass where it's just me. In that, that St. Pius, and people kind of walk in. I'm, I'm celebrating on the Marian side, the altar, and I just I just celebrate Mass right there. You, and so celebrating private Mass is just something so intimate about it. Now, look, I, I definitely love celebrating Mass for the people, and I wish we should have more people. Uh, we have a lot of people, we should have more, uh, you know, people coming to Mass. Uh, but there's, there's something so intimate about that. And so I would say that kind of unique. Uh, situation where I'm celebrating a private mass and it's just me, or just kneeling down in front of the Eucharist. How special! I mean, just to celebrate your own you know, oh, like mass by yourself. Yeah, well, people. Yeah, this is kind of funny. People invite priests on vacation so they they can yeah. have mass, and you know, it's like, oh look, he could hear our confessions and celebrate mass for us every day. You know, it's like, that's kind of funny, but yeah. <laughs> or like, I went visit my aunt, and she asked me. <laughs> she asked me and said, "Hey." You want uh, you want some holy water? I got some extra. And then my uncle he said, "Holy water." You know he could just make that, right? <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, "I can't just yeah, yeah. I that that's kind of my role now." <laughs> so right. I don't yeah. So that uh, I have some extra. Yeah, and I said, "If you want, I can make you some." <laughs> Where do you feel closest to God? Would it be you know some people say in nature, some people say in adoration, some people say. I'm alone. I don't know. Where do you feel closest to God? I would probably say, like, uh, uh, like just me personally. Just you personally. I would say probably those two forms of prayer, whether it's adoration or or a private mass, I would say absolutely in the poor, right? Uh, no doubt. The church has spoken unequivocally on this, that Christ is present in the poor. And countless saints from the time of Christ has written it. So uh, serving the poor, Anyone that has not served the poor yet, 
you want to feel close to God, if you want to learn how to believe in God, serve the poor. Go to the sick go to the homeless, go to the people that suffer. Serve the poor. But then also in a very objective, real way, God is present to us everywhere, right? No matter where I'm at, no matter how I'm feeling, God is, is truly with me. That's something that cannot be taken away only except, you know, by choice, my personal choice. I think you already covered this one, but I'll ask just in case you have any others. Okay. What is your favorite Catholic book? My favorite Catholic book is scripture. Well, actually, I have a lot. Right, so I mean... Hit us with them. Yeah, so I'll say that when I joined seminary, I struggled in academics. Huh? And so I, I'm very blunt, right, especially with myself. I, I try to be tamer with people huh, or more <laughs> friendly. But I just, you know, it, it's kind of just in our my family, you know, we're just very blunt with each other. And so when I joined seminary, I just kind of like looked in the mirror. I just had a conversation with myself and said, say, man, you're stupid and uh, you, you can't be dumb anymore. So what you need to be smart. So what do smart people do? And I said, well, smart people read. Okay, well, you need to start reading. <laughs> now, I mean, this is a conversation I had in my head. And I was like, all right, you need to start reading. So from that day on, uh, nine years ago, I don't know how long ago, I made it a point to read for at least an hour that, that not trying to accomplish that, but just trying to help me in my academics. And so, and over the years, you get a lot done with that. Uh, and so I have a lot of favorite books. I think that Confessions, incredible. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, incredible. I think uh, anything written by St. Alphonsus Liguori can't go wrong with. I think the sayings of Mother Teresa of Calcutta are so incredible. I think a lot of people would get benefit from that. I mean, I'm going to just keep going on. Oh, and yeah. On. Go for it. Um, I think St. Thomas Aquinas' uh, commentaries on scripture. He's really famous for his Summa Theologiae, which a lot of people know about from academics. Uh, but his commentaries on scripture are the best the world has ever seen. And so, someone who struggles with scripture or wants to know more about scripture, St. Thomas Aquinas' commentaries on scripture, while they can be difficult, they are the best the world has ever seen. I think the writings of the church fathers are incredible. Uh, if someone wants to know about the Catholic faith, I would tell them to read three people. Read St. Paul, read St. Augustine, and read St. Thomas Aquinas. That's what I would tell them to read. So, uh, yeah, I would say, okay, I'm going to end with that. If someone wants to know about the Catholic faith, read St. Paul, read St. Augustine, the Doctor of Grace, and read St. Thomas Aquinas, the Angelic Doctor. I definitely will have a long list to go and read. I have not read uh, any of those authors, so I'm excited. I would, yeah, I would say this: if you pick up a book and the author is Saint whoever, right? It's Saint dot dot dot. You got a good book. Definitely. Read that book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Can't go book. wrong. You can't go wrong with a saint. Name one person in the Bible that you feel completely connected to, and what do you love about them or their particular story? That's hard, right? <laughs> well, I mean, so, I mean, Old Testament, Samuel, right? Samuel was the very first prophet. He was also extraordinarily young, right? So he kind of, and, and I'm actually the youngest priest in Louisiana. Yes. Uh, so I, I feel called with that. And look, I, being the youngest priest in Louisiana, tell you the truth, I have never thought about that. I really wow. don't. I, it doesn't bother me. Or I, I don't, that's not something I think about. I have I have a litany of things on my plate, and being young is not one of them. <laughs> so, so the, uh, you know, I think every priest can relate to that. Uh, and so that's it's just not, but a lot of people find, you know, that 
you know, oh, that's awesome. Or it's like, oh, okay, I can ignore them. You know, it, it's people take it in different ways. Uh, so I find that kind of cool. In the New Testament, uh, I mean, St. John, I love St. John. St. Paul is someone, tell you the truth, I am absolutely infatuated with. I, he is someone that, that baffles me and that I, I love. I think, I said, he's definitely not the person I can relate to the most. But he's definitely someone, I, probably the person I want to learn the most about. St. Paul is such an interesting figure to me. He is like a maniac. <laughs> he, he is. He's, I tell people he's like a bull in a china shop trying to convince everyone that everything's okay. <laughs> everything's going according to plan, and he's just wrecking the shop. When St. Paul preached, there was riots in the streets. When I preached, they clapped. Uh, you know, or they say, oh, Father, that was, that was very good. And there's something to that. I mean, the, uh, and, and for me, that's, that's something I really need to pray about. But St. Paul is is someone I'm just, he's probably the most mysterious figure. His life before and after grace and his writings are incredible. Yeah, St. Paul is definitely St. John. Can't go without. I'm in love. I bless the Father. Yes. St. Joseph. So, yeah, those are just the tip of the iceberg. My most recent infatuation is with Mary Magdalene. So, um, I don't know if you've watched The Chosen or not, but the very first episode when Jesus lays his hand on Mary Magdalene, she was, you know, previously possessed with demons. And uh, just that moment, um, just knowing no matter, like, how far you strayed, no matter what, like, just witnessing that. And just seeing her transformation from that moment, just one touch from Jesus and what that did to change her life and her just leading him and walking with him. And, you know, you you can't be unchanged by that. And so I just want to know everything about her. But now I'm very intrigued by St. Paul. St. Paul is uh, the problem. After, you know, after St. Joseph, I truly, I I think I can make the case pretty, pretty well. That St. Paul is the greatest saint to ever live. After St. Paul, I would, I think I can make the case very strongly that Padre Pio is yes. the greatest saint to ever live. So we would talk about St. Joseph, St. Paul, and then St. Padre Pio. Yeah. But St. Paul is, yeah, I could, I could definitely talk a lot about St. Paul and it's, and it wouldn't be, and it would just be mysterious things that mm-hmm. I find that I'm just kind of really intrigued with. He's awesome. a, he's an incredible man. My last question. Share one thing with others that has helped you with your spiritual and personal growth journey. One thing that has helped me, I'm going to pray about this for five seconds. What? Loving people. That was, that was the answer. That just, there's a lot of answers, right? But praying about it, that's what came. Loving people. Loving people does not mean you can know their sin or their way of life. Jesus ate with prostitutes, but he never said what they were doing was okay. What he showed them was that he loved them. And then through his love, they changed the way they lived. It's uh, a, any woman, cha- a woman changes her life after a, a child is born. The immense amount of love is a man changes the way he lives when he meets the woman of his dreams. It's because of love. People change the way they live because of love. Love has built up empires and torn them down. Love has has given life, and it's also uh, called to sacrifice a life, right? The gardens. Love can do all things. To 
love people. Love God and love his people. That was that has been something that has radically helped me in my life. Is that loving God and loving his people no matter what. Even when it's uncomfortable. Even when it's hard. When it's hard. When it calls me to sacrifice. Because that's what true love does. True love sacrifices countless saints they say if if true love if the love of a person never sacrificed, they say it's not true love. It's a, it's an infatuation. It's a, uh, it's a, it's called puppy love or, you know, something like that, huh? It's, uh, it's not true love. True love looks like the cross. To truly love someone, to love people, that has increased and helped my faith. Such wisdom, um, such just good conversation. And I can't say every time that you either give a talk or homilies or whatever, I always feel like I have just, you know, gained so much more in my faith and like one more step in my walk. And um, thank you so much for sharing oh, with us. Absolutely. The and God can even use a donkey, huh? <laughs> and so he could use me. Use a donkey to go into Jerusalem. He can use me. Um, no, but I, I definitely will... Uh, be having you back again uh, to discuss some of those top three saints, and I'm um, read yeah. some some of those uh, book recommendations before your next. That's a visit. lot. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on Altered by Faith podcast. Please subscribe and review. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, and join our email list at alteredbyfaith.com. Looking forward to walking out this Altered by Faith journey with each of you. Much love, always, Alicia Gotro.